The Sour Hour is meant for the serious brewer. The Sour Hour may contain some seriously funkified content. The Sour Hour is not for the faint of heart. So exercise some damn discretion, would you please? Sheesh. And now, here's the Sour Hour with Jay Goodwin. Back again. Part two of our two-part series on questions and answers and listener beer. This is Sour Hour on the Brewing Network. I'm your host, Jay. Here in the Brewing Network studios in downtown Concord. Lovely day in Concord. Here with Scott. Hey, Scott. Hey, what's up, man? You know, one of my favorite, uh, I think I've mentioned an old radio guy, legend, Phil Hendry, mm-hmm. who did the uh, old, you know, his own caller's voices. And if you guys are not familiar with Phil Hendry, Go look him up on the internet. You know, I thought I, I meant to bring this up. I thought I just saw him on TV. What show? I keep talking. I'm thinking well, about. Well, he's he's done guest stint on New Girl, somewhat that wasn't recently. It. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where else. He, he's done little. He sorry. He's done little uh, bit parts. Uh, was he on the, Mark Maron's show? Yeah, I think he did do Maron's show. Yeah, I think I think that was it. I think he was. I forget. Uh, I forget what the show is. The IFC one, not the not the podcast. But um, I think yeah. it's called Maron, right? Maron and. Uh, I saw him. Is they showed him in the studio. I was like, "Oh, this is the guy." Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. that's him. What, the re, it made me think of it because you're like uh, part two in our two part series. It's a classic old talk radio thing to be the, this part and a many part. And he always used to do that with some of his uh, his character voices. You know, he he as the host, he'd bring him on. Like, uh, Doctor Robert Leonard is uh, joining us here for part nine in our twenty seven part series on <laughs> male sexuality. And Doctor, he would always do that just mm-hmm. as a throw it in as a little. Uh, you know, he would deliver it seriously, of course, but he was always uh, play on it. Uh, part twelve in our 15 part series always funny so maybe you said that to me. Okay, i'm start to have, i'm gonna just, have to study and just throw on some easter eggs for you from time to time I love it. but hello scott hello uh also lane still in the studio with us and we're uh we had his uh, his great uh, dark sour with raspberries in the last show uh just a few minutes ago for us but uh maybe a few weeks for you guys and we're gonna dive into uh one of the other samples he brought us uh so i'm gonna keep it brief off the top Join us in talking about sour beer and your sour beer by contacting us. You can do that via telephone, 888-401-BEER. You can join us in our chat room. You can give us feedback on the show. Tell Scott he's doing an okay job. Tell me I'm doing a great job. Scott at thebrewingnetwork.com, Jay at thebrewingnetwork.com. Watch us, uh, thebrewingnetwork.com slash TV. Listen live, the Brewing Network app. Uh, search BN Mobile. BN stands for Brewing Network. And you can also subscribe and leave feedback on iTunes or wherever you uh, do that thing with the podcast. Yeah, I realize, do you leave feedback on iTunes? Or is it like, I guess the podcast app, app is a separate store. thing, right? Or not the App Store. The It's the podcast app. But is that, right, the Apple podcast yeah, app? But, uh, yes, it is. But I think I to think, leave think a review. Uh, I think it's on the podcast app now. Yeah. Really? I think you they're making a review and, from and your I, podcast. Other, I'm a big podcast. I don't. I've never left a review for another podcast. That's probably bad. <laughs> I said in the middle of <laughs> asking you guys to do something I haven't done. All right, I promise to leave a review for another podcast. But I believe now people are kind of switching it up to on the podcast app. Okay, well, doesn't if, sound as good, but if you can leave a review from your podcast app, you, that is, you it couldn't be easier. Like I, I understand. You ah, to, I think you go to reviews and then it says write a review. Oh, there you go. I, All right, I, I'm pretty sure. Well, somebody wrote. Right? I'm looking okay. at it right now. Somebody okay. wrote a review for our show. 
Review of the Fortnite. Fortnite. Review of the Fortnite. This is from Coffee Postal. Uh, the title of it is Fantastic Info, Required Listening for the Sour Brewer. He says, this show is top to bottom filled with amazing information. If you are at all interested in brewing sour beer, these interviews cover everything. But it's not just for the beginner. They cover intermediate and advanced topic in every episode as well. Jay and Scott are entertaining. It is great from episode one. A little disappointing that Thank Coffee Thank you for Postal, the review. I thought they were just supposed to be talking shit on They are. B minus. Yeah. Yeah, Coffee <laughs> Postal. I mean, you know, hey, thanks for the effort and everything, but where's the bashing? Maybe he's just starting. That's the thing, you know. Oh, you maybe. Know? Because he's like, oh, episode 10, really. <laughs> well, no, it would be even funnier if this is the case. He's like really into it. And then he finds like, you know, whatever we mentioned that episode 40. By the way, this is episode 60. Yes, 60 it is. Scott, very yes. special day yeah. in our lives. Then he's going to get to this one and be like, oh, <laughs> man, they read mine without the session. Bro. Damn it. You know, just to get a new account, leave another Another review. Yeah, or maybe he actually only has listened to the first episode, and he meant to write episode one is great. Yeah, <laughs> sure still out. And on then the other he listened to episode two and never returned. He's, re- he's regretting this review. You got everything he needed out of it. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for the review, so Coffee Postal. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we encourage you to listen to the other shows. I guess that's where I'll leave my review. Brew Strong, Doctor Homebrew, Brewing a Style, and even the Session. Listen to those guys and learn more about beer. That's, yeah. how, that's how I did it, for sure. Uh, and a lot of professional brewers I know. So uh, support the uh, the network that supports you guys out there. Let's uh, drink beer. Yeah, we got listener beer on uh, this show and questions. And let's start with uh, Lane, who's here with us. Oh, yeah, maybe we should do a reintro of Lane. Yeah, let's do that. So who are you? I'm Lane. Okay. Nice to meet you. Cool. Hi, let's move on here. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> Lane was on uh, one of our previous uh, types of these shows and uh, brought his beer in. If you want to... Uh, go back to the last show, which I gotta assume you listen to that one if you're listening to this one. But you know, for those who have a thing with odd numbers or something, uh, <laughs> we we uh, we tried a beer that he had brought in previously in a in a little yeast uh, vial yeah, sample. Yeah, so I, I brought it in. I think episode forty and forty one. And ah, so young then. Yeah, and a, a year ago, <laughs> I brought it in as a sample. Then got your guys' feedback, and then did. A fruit re-fermentation with raspberry, finished it off, and then I brought that in for the last episode. Um, so I decided to stick with that theme, and I brought in a sample of a golden sour that I have going right now. I have done a small re-fermentation, fruit re-fermentation on this with apricot, but with only about a cup and a half of apricot puree from the Venter's Reserve, which is the Oregon fruit company. I think it, okay. I think it's, I think it's their it's a sub it, sub uh, product maybe it's the non commercial arm of it it's, oh, it's the okay. retail home brewer anyways so um, I've done a small refer- re- fruit refermentation with this I think it still needs some more it's pretty young and rough right now but yeah so what I was thinking for this was the last two sour beers I've done have got great acidity however I thought that they were very Lactobacillus, lacto-focused, very clean, lemony, citrus, bright. With this one, I wanted to bring in some more character from Pediococcus if I could. So I was thinking, let's you know, get something in the beer that's going to hang around for a little bit longer because the in terms of fermentables or unfermentables or proteins and starch. With the two previous beers I've done, my grist was pretty much all 
very fermentable. There wasn't anything in there that was going to hang out for too long for the, for the Brett or for the PDO to really work on. So with this one, I decided to up my wheat content and up, and I put in flaked oats as well. Obviously, flaked oats, highly fermentable, but you're going to have protein that mm-hmm. hangs out. You know, maybe they can eat some of that protein. Who knows? Yeah. Um, at least something that's going to stick around longer past primary fermentation for the bugs to chew on. So I definitely think I got some of that. The aroma on this is a lot funkier. Um, I think I'm getting a lot more Brett aromatics in the kind of barnyard aspect, if you will. I think the palate is still fairly clean on the acidity. Um, Like I was saying, I didn't add enough apricot for that to be extremely present, but um, it would be great to get your guys' input on where you think you could see this beer going or if there's anything right now where we should steer it. Yeah, I I think this beer is uh, tasting uh, really good right now. I don't get just from, and it, it can be kind of hard sometimes, but I think I've experienced this enough where it's a long time uh, at the beginning of the Rare Barrel, we would make beers, and um, I think I would wonder how much Brett Aromatic would carry through to the final product. Right. You know, so I should also say, uh, I think this has already been made explicit, but you know, we're tasting a, a still sample. Right, yeah, um, fermenter. And so I brewed this in September of last year, so we're coming up on, what, nine months? Yeah, I think it's it's really nice, but I, I would say the the Brett character is low. The the beers we have gotten Brett character in, even in a still sample, you could yeah you could definitely tell like there's there's quite a bit of Brett aromatics right. in them. Um, so there could be a little bit more than the last one, but it's it's not maybe at the level. If you're if you're going for that, maybe it's like yeah. a little under that. Not that it matters for you know the beer is still going to go forward and be great. Sure. But then I really like the acidity. Glad you said uh, apricot. My mind went right to, and I was, I thought about a fruit, and then I thought, that's the wrong person to tell to use this fruit. But I think white grape, that's what this reminds me of. There's like a a little bit of like, just like grape skin, like that tangy, astringent kind of thing. Not, not like in all positive ways. Like I really like it. I think that's an interesting place to start. More apricot. Could work as well. I'd be curious about maybe like yeah, I mean, berries and grapes, maybe yeah. to supplement the apricot as well. I, I've been interested in doing a wine beer hybrid, and this might be a good candidate for it because I think that there's, I mean, a lot of wineries bring their grapes in from the vineyard, they crush them, put them in a fermentation tank, and whatever's on those grapes is going to ferment that wine. Mm-hmm. So there's there's definitely you know some interesting. You know, yeast and, you know, probably some bacteria and, you know, it's not just all Saccharomyces on, on those grapes coming in. So it might be interesting to, if I can get some good quality white grapes, do a re-fermentation with them uh, coming in from the vineyard. That'd be yeah. interesting. And get some natural wine. Yeah, exactly. While you're at it. Has the Rare Barrel done re-fermentation with grape? No, not yet. Not yet, right? Mm-mm. Is it I, on the plants? It is. Um, I, re- I enjoy sour beers re-fermented with wine grapes. My only thing is I feel like there's a higher instant, and I don't, I don't know, I guess I don't know enough about wine or how people are processing them to know why this is, but I feel like, this is just subjective in my opinion, but I feel like I get a higher instance of ethyl acetate in wine, grape, Hmm. sour beers. Now, you know, ethyl acetate's a little higher in a lot of wines than is acceptable in beers, you know, especially sour beer. I don't know if that's related or maybe, you know, arguing against myself, maybe that's me just 
connecting those dots in kind of like an unfair way. But I mean, sometimes it's just like, no, this is just like a lot of ethylacetate. So again, that's like the nail polish, uh, kind of aroma, but, but yeah, it's something we're, I'm really looking forward to it, obviously. No. <laughs> um, it's something that's in the, in the books. I, I want to learn more about it. And when we had, uh, uh, Jeremy from Brewery Taru on the show, you know, it's kind of, they, they make some very nice, um, wine grape beers and I was kind of pressing him on it. And, uh, he, you know, he's a winemaker by, by his background and, uh, I don't remember his exact answer, but to paraphrase, you kind of got to know to go ahead and do it. It's like, so if you have the wine background, he felt confident that gave him the feel more than anything. Then like, oh, definitely process it like this, you know, or, you know, work with a winery or get this kind of grade or, you know, this kind of year or, you know, like going back to our discussion on oak barrels, um, which may have been off air actually, but, you know, is... It may not be necessarily the right time to get, like, wineries view oak barrels in, in one way and breweries view them in another. Perhaps the time you pick the grape or the varietal of grape can be viewed in one way by the wineries and another way by the breweries where sure. it's more, you know, here's the time to strike for a winery. But actually for a brewery, it's probably way earlier or way later yeah, it depends. or yeah. whatever, you know. So I think that's a really interesting road to go down. i just like personally to understand a lot more about that than I do now, but you know, you've got a wine background. Do you think, do you have any thoughts on how you would take this beer? If just hypothetically, if you're going to apply. Yeah. So, so if I had the ability to choose when grapes were harvested and when I would add it, I mean, if you typically think about what wineries are trying to do, if they harvest early, that means they're trying to get more acidity in the wine because you know, what's happening to the grape when it's on the vine is it's converting acid into sugar so the longer it's on the vine the more sugar it's going to have and the more formidable it's going to be so something like this where i'm not necessarily looking for more acid um i would maybe pick a little bit later get more sugar trying to get more of the fruit character from the grapes as opposed to the acid from the grapes mm-hmm. i think would so and that's you know very much a hypothesis but i would you know for wine beer hybrids i would think that breweries if they're not trying to get acid from the grapes would want to you know um, typically get the grapes later than a winery would want for a balanced wine i wonder though you know let's just you know talk about this beer in particular so it's got a nice level of acidity to it already and it's it's really well balanced you wait for the grape to have a higher sugar content less acid but then it's a little bit of a double-edged sword right because it's the grape is maybe going from acid to sugar but then the beer you're putting right. it, it into is then going to take the sugar and partially take some of that. You know, most most or some will be alcohol. Right. That'll be a big component of the fruit fermentation, but also acid. Sure, yeah. So, so it's uh, – yeah. and there's, I'm not asking for an answer on that. It's just something I wanted to bring up where it's like, I guess you could do – maybe there's a balance in between or uh, it may be fun to do kind of an experiment that's like, here's the acid grape. Here's what I believe to be right in the middle, right. and then here's the, the really, really sweet one. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting to see if the acidity that you quote unquote lock in from the early harvest grapes would be more than what you get from the yeast and the, and the bacteria going after the sugar in the in the later harvest. That would be interesting. Yeah, I think that's a. That's I, I don't a cool know if there's that. some potential acidity in here that would actually be the same, right? Because you can't create more acidity than you either have or can create i don't know yeah i mean 
It's a good. We're getting into, we're, we're, we're getting pretty deep in the rabbit hole here of hypothetical uh, yep, wine beer hybrids. That's what we do, and I love it. I, I, and I actually just need to have more of those conversations because even your comments about like what happens during the harvest and how the grape changes—that's that's totally off my radar. Like I'm, I'm just like, is that wine? Pour it in my glass and I'll drink it. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, did you get a chance to try this? What do you think? I did. The first thought that occurred to me is how dramatic, this is not news, right? But like how dramatically cold and carbonation changes everything. So yeah. when it's it's neither cold nor carbonated. I mean, I felt like this this sample could have been one in the lineup at the search for the rare barrel. You know, they were all, they were right. very similar in character, right? Where it's just like a clean acidity and it just kind of, which is, that's hard to achieve. Like this is a great vanilla ice cream. And now what are we going to, are we going to throw some brownie chunks? Like where are we going with this base? I don't know. I don't know how helpful that is as a descriptor. It's a, it's good to just take stock and see where you're at. And, you know, you don't always need to have like a, that lightning bolt moment, sure. you know, where it's like. Oh, I taste. Oh, I know grapes like automatically. Like I mean, that, once sometimes you your it. first instinct is like totally off. You know, we've done beers where you know, okay, we blend up this really elaborate base and then we kind of examine it, and sometimes it's like, oh yeah, let's do this. Or you can even go into like, hey, there's these three or four fruit beers that we'd like to find a base for. Can we find one? And then you kind of connect the dots there. But sometimes it happens over weeks you know days weeks and yeah it's good, yeah. It's good to sit with it but it's a versatile base and it tastes good free from off flavors i think right. it's excellent thanks yeah, uh, agreed yeah it, it might be something that i split off and do a couple different fruit re-fermentations if i want to go down that path and you know maybe i stick with the apricot for mm-hmm. one of them and then do white grapes for the other but i think getting into our discussion in the last episode i think that's that's really where you start to learn about, okay, I know this base, and here's what I think it could pair well with in terms of fruit, and then see how it turns out and you know, test your hypothesis. Yeah, and if you split it up, you'll finally have enough room in your carboys to add as much fruit as you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I won't have to just be <laughs> topping it off. Awesome. That's another solid beer, and you cleverly you know, repeated your process, so now we got to bring you back in the year. That's right. So. Yeah, exactly. That's smart. <laughs> but yeah, I'd love to know, uh, you know, especially if you want to, like, you know, shoot us a, an email or something. When you actually go to make that decision, that'd be kind of cool to just to get get that update. And then, sure. yeah, we'd love to try it when it's all, all said and done. Definitely. Yeah. Well done. Um, cool. You want to hang out for the rest of the show and help us do these other beers? You yeah, got time? that'd be great. Let's do uh, questions, cool. too. Gonna, yeah, we'll do a question right now, and then we'll introduce uh, Justin, the next uh, brewer in the lineup here. Got cool. some beers of his. So, uh, so we're doing questions now. Mm-hmm. Break. Let's do question. We'll introduce Justin, mm-hmm. and then yep, and then we'll do his beers uh, after the break. These questions and this tease brought to you by sourbeerblog.com, the longest running sponsor of the Sour Hour, and now they're opening a new sour and farmhouse folks brewery in Central Pennsylvania, apparently close to a place called Harrisburg. Is that right? Okay. Help them get started. Join their Founders Club, which includes eight exclusive bottles of club-only aged and blended sour beer, early access to all their public bottle releases. A hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> On the East Coast, so they call them hooded sweatshirts. Yeah. <laughs> Wicked hooded. No, didn't work. No. Just Boston. Uh, <laughs> Wicked awesome. Pair of tasting glasses, club growler, and most importantly of all, we should get a sound effect for this. Like a like thunder or like, not timpani, but like thunder and drums or something. Kind of like and a most sounds like important of all, 
That's got to be more dramatic. That's like something I'd fall asleep to. You know? Yeah, this like is the white noise I yeah. used for my five-week-old. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try this. I'm rare relaxed now. And most important of all... Come on. Scott, I'm just getting increasingly relaxed. Where's the thunder? Most importantly of all, the metal challenge going. <laughs> this doesn't work. I <laughs> Sorry. Nailed it. <laughs> Failure of YouTube videos. It's not my fault. Do you know what a challenge point is? No, I, I don't know if I want to, though. Do you know? Do yeah. you have you have the knowledge? I have the knowledge. Uh, do we want to know? Yeah. I, yeah. We'll tease that out to next segment, too. Okay. We'll come okay. back from break with what a metal challenge coin is. And we're not even mentioning yet, you guys, the discounts and much more. To learn more and join the Founders Club, check out Mellow Mink Brewing at mellowmink.com. That's Sour Beer Blog's new brewery, Mellow Mink Brewing. There you go. And thanks to them. This is uh, It's actually a, a trick that was emailed in, a little tip and trick. Not really a question, uh, but I would like to hear what you guys think about this tip from Rich, who writes in and says, A trick I use at a homebrew scale to simulate wine barrel aging, per our wine discussion just now, is to add the concentrate from a wine kit to a beer along with oak chunks. This gives a good wine flavor with controlled oak. I used this technique in one of the two beers I made that tied for gold in the Sour Wild Beers at last year's uh, NHC UK. Hmm. I don't know what constitutes uh, a wine concentrate. I think it's just concentrated grape juice. Okay. So a lot of home winemakers use concentrate. Obviously, winemaking is really about having access to fresh grapes. If you can't have that, then concentrate's the way to go. So they take the grapes concentrate it, make it into a syrup, you reconstitute it, and ferment that. Okay. I mean, even wine barrel aging is like a a distant cousin of the true expression of wine, I would say. You know, it's like, it's what's left in the barrel, which gets transposed into a beer. And it's like, how much can you taste terroir at that point? Or, you know, oh, this is this Pinot from this winery versus this one. You know, mostly it's just like, that tastes like wine. Kind of, uh, that's my analysis. I don't, uh, but I'm also unsophisticated. I don't know if I can pick out original wine nuances in finished sour beer, but can you? I haven't tried. I forget who was on, but they were talking about using grapes in sour beer, and they talked about the grapes not being, it, it didn't really matter as much. You didn't necessarily need the highest quality grapes that you'd want for wine, for beer. It sounded like it didn't matter as much, but uh, that's also because high-quality wine grapes are very expensive. Yeah, it's also, I, I think what we're both getting at is, like, it's not the direct expression of that wine grape, basically. So, I sure, mean, yeah, it's going to have a lot of other influence on it. Yeah, not like the direct expression of organ fruit products, puree, Scott. Now, that's direct. Their aseptic purees are easy to use, convenient to store with no additives or artificial flavors. It's simply great expression of the raw fruit, like we were just saying. They love working with brewers to help us innovate. Check them out at fruitforbrewing.com. Oregon Fruit, they bring fruit to life. Yes, they do. You know where to get a wine concentrate? Wine the Wine and Hop Shop, wineandhop.com, yes. Scott. Nailed it. This is the opposite of the last show <laughs> <laughs> where I didn't do a good job of this. Uh, wineandhop.com. It's where to get your sour beer and sour beer wild yeast and bacteria and wine concentrate for this uh, setup. There and probably oak cubes oh, and all that stuff. All By the way, things. I do like this idea to answer that question. So get your omega yeast and giggies yeast there. Most items are going to ship within 24 hours. And best of all, BN listeners in the continental U.S. gets get flat $8 shipping rate on orders under 50 pounds. So let's say culture from Omega, culture from Giga, some oak cubes, 
a wine concentrate, boom, you are making great wine barrel influenced sour beer right there. Boom. So do that, but also do the BN shipping code in the notes field of the shopping cart, and the discount's going to be taken off after checkout. The Wine and Hop Shop, wineandhop.com. And let's just keep being productive. I'm just checking things off like crazy. <laughs> let's uh, let's tease out our second tease, which is uh, our second Justin. Yes. Who's going to be joining us in the next segment. Justin, are you there? Hey. This is Justin Mathis, uh, a.k.a. the brewmaster of Bad Math Brewery. If you'll recall a couple shows ago, I was like, "If you, who's the guy who has the labels on there that say Bad Math? Well, it's Justin Mathis from Columbus, Ohio. Scott's Brewery is Bad Memory Brewery. <laughs> <laughs> huh? What were we talking about? Well, thanks for uh, joining us, Justin, uh, and thanks for sending us the beer. Oh, no problem. All right, so what do you want us to try first, dude? I would say do the one with, like, the draft on it. The giraffe. Giraffe. Red, red yeah. color one. That's probably the it's tart, it's not super sour. The other ones are a little more on the sour end of the spectrum. All right. All are right, you just sure. picking the animals that are notoriously bad at math to put on your labels? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's it. Smart, smart <laughs> move. I like your marketing marketing. All right. So we're gonna be back. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yes. well I want Justin, I wanna just tell us a little bit about yourself before we go to break. Um been brewing for four or five years or so. I think I sent you guys the email when I did the one with the, like the sunset, the blood orange sour. That was my first sour beer. And um, I started listening to the podcast. I don't like something I was due. I started tasting. I lived in Brazil for a couple of years, and I was hearing a lot about sour beers and not drinking them. When I got back to the States and started drinking them, I liked them a lot. So I decided to try to start brewing them. Perfect. All right. Awesome. Well, we're going to taste uh some of your uh, the, not initial attempts, but this is like your sort of first yeah. round, second wave, or yeah, these are the first round. Oh, okay, there great. Well, I'm glad you got started and uh, excited to try your beers after the break. A lot of good sour beer in Brazil, as I've said before. Yes, indeed. Um, all right, so we're gonna come back talk about Justin's beers and also find the answer to what is the middle challenge going. We'll be right back. On the Sour Hour. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months so, to, to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines, so I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty crack cans. Tasty crack cans. Hey, this is Chad from Crooked Stave, and you're listening to the Sour Power Hour on the Brewing Network. And if you didn't know, it's now called the Sour Power Hour. That's great. like that minute to rename the show.
about to pay off two teases. I remembered both. One would have paid off no matter what because Justin is on the line. But uh, let's well let's let's bring up Justin for a second. Justin, yes. What's up, do you dude? know? And this might spoil the whole thing, but do you know what a metal challenge coin is? I do not. All right. Well, we're all about to find out together. Okay. So, what is it? A challenge coin has its roots in the military, actually, and <laughs> the, the way it works. <laughs> the way it works is that uh, you receive a challenge coin from someone of authority, right, or of um, that would have their own challenge coin, and everyone in the unit would have to carry this challenge coin in their pocket at mm-hmm. all times. And if you go to the bar and someone. Um, presents a you know their challenge coin, then everyone else has to pull out their challenge coin. Um, and if you don't have yours, then you're buying the beers or you're buying the I round see. on everyone. Yeah, so I'm familiar with this from being a pledge in a fraternity, oh. the pledge pledge bin. Gotcha. Right. So so there's a lot of folks in the military that try to collect the highest ranking member of whatever branch of military they're in and get their challenge coin. By schmoozing them or trying to, and they, know, do, do they lift it or no, no? So you'll be you'll, you'll be present. So a lot of senior leaders in the military use it as a you know a small token of thanks for you know doing something for them or meeting with them. So I mean, it, it goes like all a pretty big token of thanks because then that guy's yeah. buying beer for the rest of his life because right. he's not going to have his coin. No, no, no. Or does he get you can have coin? multiple challenge coins. Oh, no. You can only have one. Yeah. Okay, that's where it all falls pe- pe- apart. People have huge collections. Yeah, so you can't just have... It's not your own personal challenge coin. It's one that's gifted to you. And you have to carry at least one challenge coin. So if they have theirs, you know, for their members, you're supposed to carry it. And then if someone challenges, I assume that if you don't have it, you're buying beers. We'll have to follow up and get the, the rules around the challenge coin. Maybe they're like, stop talking about this. We haven't written out the rules yet. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, that's the that's the challenge coin. The challenge coin. Any of the listeners that are in that the military well. will know exactly what the challenge coin is. And maybe they can write in and articulate it better than I just did. But no, that's I think the that was fantastic. Gist. That was great. You know who loves the challenge coin? Who? Neshaminy Creek. Yeah, they do. Also in Pennsylvania. Uh, they've been on the Philly beer scene since uh, 2012. They're a three-time Philly beer scene magazine brewer of the year. Gotta, gotta spread those out a little bit more. Scott's not listening. But, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm listening. Just pouring Justin's beer over To my here. random copy comments. You know what it is. It's all the GABF metal, metals. Uh, I was listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> the large tap room, the new second location, double IPAs, sessionable lagers, oak fermented saison sour beers, free brewery tours on Saturdays. Check it out, NeshemneCreekBrewing.com. All right, All so right. now we have more beer to drink. Yeah, we do. I guess at some point we'll answer, like, <laughs> I feel like our Q&A listener beer shows have turned into... We actually may even answer less questions <laughs> than on like guest shows. Guest shows yeah, that yeah. we have commercial guests, but we've gotten so much listener beer. It may be we may have two types of show here, right. basically. Yeah. So, so we'll 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 do that again soon. Uh, I think we'll bring uh, rare barrel people back. I, I'm hoping soon, so uh, we can do some some Q and A with them. That's always a fun time and. And they come in late the next day for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's continue to uh, drink some great beer, uh, Justin. We've got your uh, your giraffe beer open here. Can you give us some background on this? 
Well, first of all, tell us what this is, because I'm trying to read. Senior AFF? What, is, what does it say? <laughs> uh, it's. <laughs> I didn't know if it would qualify more as a bracket, a sizer, or a graph, because uh, it's like 70% malt, 80% honey, and 10% apple juice. Uh, so it's a combination of those three words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you seem disappointed by that. <laughs> so uh what what else is there to this beer besides the uh see your graph? Or what is it? What's the name again? Well, right. can you well, can you pronounce it, this name? Uh that's why I put the what. That's what I'm calling oh, okay. yeah, <laughs> The giraffe's W-U-T. head is saying what W U T what? Well done. So yeah, what else, so, uh, what else about this beer? Yeah, it was this one, I just did like a one-gallon batch of it because I wasn't sure how it was going to come out, but it's pretty – I pretty much liked it, so I'm going to step and do a larger bat. But I did um, – since it was, again, the first time with that, I just used DME, like the Extra Light DME, a pound of that, eight ounces of some of the local summer harvest honey here, and – I did about 10 IBUs of Saz hops. I only did a 20-minute boil. And I pitched Bell Saison yeast uh, to do the primary, primary fermentation. I think, like, um, look at my notes, maybe a week into it, I added it was apple juice concentrate. I added that to it and let it go for a couple weeks. And then I added kind of a culture I've been growing up out of beers, commercial beers that I like, and uh, then I put in the dregs from a bottle of Cricket Stave. And um, let's see, it started at about 1064 and finished at 1004, so a little over 7.5%. Gotcha. And well, I'm just, <laughs> sorry, I'm drinking this while you're talking, and I'm stuck in the middle on how I'm feeling about this beer. I... At first sip and smell, I thought there was maybe something I didn't like about it. I should say I I mostly like this beer. Uh-huh. The <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I love. It. I gotta get you together with uh, Stefan from the Rare yeah. Barrel, and you guys just need a podcast because yeah, yeah. there's something about your uh, I agree. your cadence yeah. and. And, and kind of baritone that is just is just all the right things for I me. I agree, Justin. We'll, we'll talk <laughs> offline, dude. And now I'm now I'm taking you know second impression, third impression. I'm thinking maybe that was like a fleeting sulfur smell that uh, is gone for me now. And now I think the other than it being like kind of just a solid, lightly tart beer, what really strikes me as a defining characteristic here. Not that it's that intense. It's actually kind of in the right area if you like this, but it's like a, this certain like Brett phenolic, which is, is not going to sound like the, like a positive descriptor, but I don't think it's negative. It's like a, a rubber band kind of uh Brett mm-hmm. phenol. Um, and uh, you know, Brett descriptors are all over the place when it comes to like, Hey, this is horse blanket, but I love it kind of thing. So I, I, I actually yeah. like the, that phenolic character in there. I'm at, I'm having a little trouble cause it's just, it's, it's very complex. There's a lot going right. on. And I'm having trouble putting a finger on it, so I'm going to stop talking, let you guys talk, and taste it a few more times. It definitely shifts quite a bit on the palate, which I appreciate. And I'm glad that you mentioned that there's apple in here because I've drank a lot of, you know, craft cider from Central Virginia, and this actually reminds me 
quite a bit of that. Really delicate aroma. I definitely get picking up on the Saison yeast, but it, to me, it actually drinks more like a nice hard cider, for, you know, from areas that are, you know, should be making good cider. But yeah, I actually quite enjoy this, but it definitely dances around quite a bit, especially on the front of the palate. Yeah, I'm back now and I, I like it. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's something about that first impression threw me off. It's much less uh, all over the place for me. I'm just, it just took me, I think, a little while to to wrap my mind around it. Yeah, it's almost like once it, um, like, off-gassed, for lack of a better term, then whatever that initial smell was, it's gone now. I didn't know what it was exactly, and I don't even know that I'm, you know, per year. He's doing a fresh pour over there. Maybe he can get a a whiff. I'll I'll take a little bit more, too. Did it come back with the fresh pour? Smelling it. For for me, it's about the same. It's not um, a very highly carb beer, either. So No. um, That... It may be sometimes the aromatics get you know dormant in the beer and will fade over time because it's not being brought out yeah. by the CO two. Um, but I'm going to take a smell here. And a- it's interesting. The, the more I've sipped it, the more I like it. it you know, the yeah, fir- it definitely the, grows on you. Yeah, the first sip, I was like, well, I kind of thought I had tasted diacetyl after I swallowed it. Like, there's a little bit of that buttery thing there, and um, that initial aroma was kind of. I like I couldn't put my finger on what it was. I think it's like metallic or something. Um, but now that aroma's kind of gone away. And the diacetyl is not as present, and I don't know. I'm, I'm, li- I'm like liking it more so with every. We're all just there's a bunch of words coming out yeah, of our mouth, and, <laughs> and the three of us concise. like this beer. So. Yeah, <laughs> Justin, just like, could you refresh us on what the your ratio was for the fermentables between the malt, honey, and apple? Yeah, uh, it was by the percentage of for um, fermentable sugars or whatever. It was seventy percent malt. Uh, DME, 20% honey, and 10% apple juice. Oh, interesting. Yeah, for, for only being 10%, I'm definitely getting lean way more towards the hard cider aspects and those sort of characteristics. But it definitely finishes the, the Brutanomyces definitely finishes out nice and dry. And, um, yeah, I really, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, it's good. I, I've come around fully on this. And even with my new pour, Whatever that was, just a fleeting aromatic. Yeah, it's, it's gone from me now. I, I really enjoy this as well. It's 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 quite unique. Now I feel like if we could have taken back every <laughs> everything we said, we kind of like presented this as this uh, extreme beer, but it's actually quite subtle yeah. overall. Yeah. It's just the nuances are so interesting and uh, intriguing. You, just, want to, I, you want to start? We can just start the show over if you want. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> the sour. The sour. <laughs> Uh, Justin, what do you what do you think about? It? How do you interpret this beer? How are you? Uh, would you do anything different? Or I mean, and by the way, you said this is your first swing around. Yeah. Good swing for the fences. No and uh, if it's not over the fence, it's uh, it's a ground rule double at least. So, hey, Justin, before you answer, um, oh, thank you. Um, before you answer Jay's question about what you might have done, what you might do differently the next time, I'm gonna go get another beer from the cold box. What should we do next? Uh, do the dark one, the cherry hibiscus. Got it. One. What what animal is on it? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a square on it. <laughs> a square? A square. Okay. As long as it's not a squirrel. Yeah. I thought squirrel. Squirrel? Squirrel. A square squirrel. So so you, let's say you get another shot at this one. What did you learn from the first time around? What would you apply the second time? Um, looking back, I probably would just go ahead and do the apple juice concentrate right at the beginning. And also, I think I'm going to try to narrow down a little bit what I actually put in the beer in terms of bacteria. Like, 
the Drake's thing that uh, I grew up and I threw into it. I have some notes, uh, like I had everything. Like I, when we get to the last one, I'll talk about some of this stuff because that's where my notes are with like what Drake's I was putting into. Like I got those little. I don't know if you've seen like in the stories they have out there. Here they have it's called Mississippi Mud. It's just like a little one quart of a. Yep, I used to work at that mill. So, I yeah. Yeah, and I just put you know some like ten thirty five ten forty ward and old man started pouring dregs into them as I was drinking beers. <laughs> um, and like uh, my notes say, this is number two that I put in there. Nice, I like that. I really like that. He's the Mississippi mud. Uh, I don't even remember if it was like a a mug or jar, but that's that's an authentic way to go about it for sure. That's uh, that's cool. So, um, man, that's th- this beer still kind of freaked me out. Because <laughs> it's just changed so much over the like I don't know ten minutes. But I, I, yeah. do you? Are we? Uh, well, tell me this. Are we like off base on our analysis? Like from from how you've interpreted this no, beer? Or? Like- yeah, it changes, especially as it gets warm. And I notice, like, and I only have picked it up in other beers, other, like, sour beers I've had that have apple juice in them, like, uh, blended into them or something. It seems like it has this kind of weird spice note toward the end. Yeah. But it's not, like, always there. Like, sometimes you'll get it, and then sometimes you won't. And I can't figure that out for the life of me. Yeah, it's that, I get, like, a... A straight up like just black pepper oh, kind really? of thing going, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, it's drying too. It's very drying. And what's did you, you did you say the the finishing gravity on this? Before? Uh it finished at ten oh four, so it should have been like seven point eight percent. Man, it doesn't drink like a a beer that strong either. That's that's a really good one. All right, so. <laughs> Sorry, we poured a poured a second beer, and Scott. Jay's uh, laughing because I'm standing like the Statue of Liberty, holding your bottle up to the camera. I'm actually laughing at both both you doing that, uh, so people can get a get a view of the label. But also, uh, Lane, I just got to know what Lane's first thoughts are because I saw there was a reaction it, over there, yeah. and I didn't know what it was I, about. It, like the first <laughs> one, it's very surprising that I need to take another sip. Hmm. Which I will and so, get after it again. Scott, what beer is this? And then, Justin, maybe you can tell us a little bit what we all recover from <laughs> getting our minds blown by your second beer. Now, now, this name I can pronounce, Infinitum, and it is a. It says dark sour ale aged with cherry and hibiscus. Hibiscus right. theme hibiscus. on the sour hour. Tell us a little bit about this process. Okay, so this one I did all grain for. It was just, a, again, a gallon batch or a gallon and a half maybe. But it was a pound and a half of two-row, a half a pound of red wheat, a couple ounces of aromatic, a couple ounces of crystal 120, a couple ounces of flaked oats, and a half ounce of carafa special three, and about, let's see, 15 IBUs uh, of sods. And same thing, I did the primary with the Bel Saison, and then I... Uh, wrecked into another cowboy with, I have this time I use number three, <laughs> a little jug of uh, black and tan. Um, and then I had, let's see, it was in there for about a month. And then I put it onto 
the like you can get the Oregon fruit cans of red tart cherries that are just in like water. So it was 15 ounces of the red tart cherries and a half ounce of dried hibiscus. And it was in there for about a month before I bottled it. Oh, there were also Hungarian oak cubes that were soaked in bourbon because I just had like a couple, uh, like three or four cubes left over from something else. And those went in. But all is right in the universe. I was wondering why I love this beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first on this one. I love this beer. I could drink a lot of this. I think it's rich. It's got some like deep, dark fruit notes. Raisin. I definitely get hibiscus. I love hibiscus and hibiscus sour beer. Hibiscus really, really pops on this, both on the nose and on the palate as well. It's, it's the right amount, too. We make a hibiscus beer at the Rare Barrel, and it's like, it's a, that's it. It's just hibiscus. I think that's the, yeah. and it, it's hibiscus forward for sure. Because uh, I, I love hibiscus. This is prominent but well balanced in the okay. mix. It just support. I, I love hibiscus because it's so fruity. It's just like it supports these other fruits and uh, yeah, hibiscus raisin a little bit like fruit punch, but none of the artificial character. Just like deep, rich flavors. And uh, the, then when he said oak with bourbon, I was like, that's that's the thing that. I'm glad you did that because that, I mean, I didn't know what the beer tasted like without it. But to me, there was something else in there that is the reason I love it. It just reminds me of, I don't know, like some, I don't know, rich, like sweet, deeply flavored, like Mexican sauce or something like that. You know, I just, I just, I just I'm bringing this up because I just made a new uh, hot sauce, hot sauce yeah. with uh, these, all these crazy uh, Mexican chilies and they're like, deep and dark and rich and like uh sweet and not too spicy or smoky or anything and it's just like it reminds me a lot of that and but there's tons of complexity behind it and yeah. this this is really good i'd put this uh right up there with uh your beer lane the the, the, the dark with cherries that's yeah if i paid money for either of those beers i'd be like yeah this is great yeah i yeah i'm, I'm with you on on every point that you made i would it just hits my palate a little differently. I, I read it as like a cherry cream pie character. It's it's very the cherries are. It's Is like, that a thing? Cherry cream pie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In particular, uh, the apple pan. For those of you that live in Los Angeles, if you're not familiar with the apple pan, their cherry cream pie is the best dessert on the planet. I will put it up against any dessert from any culture anywhere. Wow, any culture. That's right. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is just the best just dessert. I'm telling you, we've, we've, Americans have the, the market cornered on dessert. I think anywhere includes all cultures, but I'll leave that for another day. Okay. Well, yes, it does. So, but so it's like um, I, I often have that reaction to creek, the the cherry uh, character in a creek. This beer is not creaky at all, like, but the cherry character is, and it's that like cherry cream pie. The hibiscus is there, but both flavors are like very um individual you can pick them out individually it's not muddy in the least it's very well done justin you should be proud so i'm i'm actually gonna Thank you very much. jump in for a second because i kind of just had a little i continue to drink the beer which i really like still and then because i was looking for the pie stuff you're talking about and then i found the pie but, but. the reason i did is because it came a couple seconds late and I think I get a little THP in this beer, which does not Whoa. does not ruin the experience Perfect. at all. But that like light Cheerio 
crackery thing lingers very late, very low. I was getting it as diacetyl. Very late. But, uh, okay, so a lot of people... Can the two. Yes. Yeah, and I did before because it's like a mouthfeel thing. It's kind of it yes. almost seems like a mouthfeel yes. thing, but it's not. It's like slick, but not butter, but not. It's funny because through this show, I have been really di- dialing the difference in between those two things. Wow, that's good. That's and, a and I don't get it as THB. I, I get it as diacetyl, but again, oh, it's, it's it like it yeah, it's, it's like, but it's like point five percent. It's barely there. Like you're saying, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's almost like. And I, I've tasted beers w- that I perceive as having small amounts of THP before and thinking to myself, you know, I know it's there, but it kinda, it's a supporting aspect. You know, like there's some old style guidelines that say certain, you know, loggers or something like that. It's like, oh, a little bit of DMS, fine, or a certain like uh, English, English, English style beers, like mm. just like the, the tiniest bit of diacetyl, people kind of take that and run with it sometimes. I would, if they, if we ever got advanced enough please got in my lifetime to <laughs> understand THP enough to say like in certain styles, very, very low amounts of THP could actually be a positive. I would put this up as the prime mm-hmm. example of that. So oh, yeah, it can work. Yeah. So I don't mean to like take back my love of this beer. I still love it. And that the thing I'm perceiving now doesn't really detract. Like I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. I just still think it's great. Lane, what do you think? Yeah, I think definitely higher acid than the previous beer, which I think some of that could be coming from the cherries or the re-fermentation with the cherries. Yeah, I enjoy this quite a bit. Definitely very complex. I don't pick up on the uh, THB. P. P. I don't know if that's the oak on the finish that's coming through. I, I definitely think that the oak addition to this was a good idea. It definitely mm. rounds out the the beer and really lengthens the the finish on the complexity. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this yeah. the the execution of this beer, ten out of ten. I mean, sometimes uh, you can lay out a plan and and try something out, and you know, it doesn't go well. Sometimes it'll meet expectations. Sometimes it'll exceed expectations, which is nice. And you know, I don't know which one of these this was for you. Maybe this was your exact vision, but a beer this good, it's hard to even like plan for that. You know, there's so many interminglings of these different ingredients. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty awesome. So it's, Just, a, it's a job well done. Justin, were you um, surprised? Like, how did it strike you when you were tasting some of the more final incarnations of this? Oh, very surprised. <laughs> like, this is like the third uh, sour beer that I did, so <laughs> I was very surprised with it. Or happy, but uh, thanks. Well, we do have uh, one more. Um, should we maybe do like a question break and then, uh, Justin, can you hang oh, on? Oh, sorry, on the line? I lost all track of it's time. It's all right. No, it's we're, we're absorbed in these beers. They're really complex. Uh, can you hang on on the line for one more segment so we can do your last beer? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, all right. Should we, are we going to answer a question again? Yeah, let's do a question first from Bud. Bud says, how do you clean a barrel that had fruit in it but not harm the bugs that are in it? I feel like this one's for me. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the one pro in the room. How do you clean a barrel? Well, you're going to, by taking the fruit out, the only way to, like, no bugs were harmed in this fruit cleaning thing is you can... Pop the top off, so pop the head off the barrel, dump all the fruit out. Or if you don't like to pop heads off, you can invert it and just try and kind of like 
shimmy as much of the fruit out as possible. Depends what the fruit is at this point. I mean, if you pre-pureed it, great. Or if you just got puree, great. That should come out a little more easily. If you just like quartered a bunch of fruit and slammed it in there, that's not going to come out. So unless you pop the head off. So that's that's where that's the no bugs were harmed strategy. Now, if you're down to break a few eggs to make an omelet, so to speak, what I would do is I would uh, wash everything out with cold water because cold water instead of hot is going to keep things alive. It's going to take most of the matter inside out, depending on, uh, I don't know if this is a home brewer or a professional brewer. Professional brewers can use pumps and really rocket that water into the barrel. I mean, we've got a, a pressure washer and gamma jet that goes to like 900 PSI and just like rips the inside of the barrel. You put your hand on it and you can tell when that stream goes by because it like, it says hello to your end. It just scrapes across. You see the wine, like titrates come out and all this stuff. Crazy. So uh, assuming you don't have that, you can get most of the stuff out with, you know, water, slosh around, dump out, water, slosh around, dump out. And you're not killing anything in there, but you're removing quite a bit of the population. Now, depending on the strength of the culture in there, that could have the impact you're going for or be too little. So let me explain that a little bit. Uh, at the Rare Barrel, we can get a really good inoculation, like a very positive lightly tart to medium low acidity from a beer that we just rinse with cold water now remember that's a thorough very thorough rinse so but our our all of our cultures are quite strong when it comes to influencing the beer so it's not apples to apples like oh they left the culture in that's the same as my culture our cultures are strong meaning that they produce acid fairly quickly i mean if the beer that is just dessert cultures What's that? Are these dessert cultures? Dessert cultures? Yeah, we're talking about all the different cultures that have good desserts. Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Interrupted you. Not, yeah, Scott. The, the part that's confusing is not a lot, too. That's, we've got the market cornered yes. on the good desserts. Yeah. Good desserts yeah. everywhere <laughs> and in any culture. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. so the, the cultures that are in there, you have to kind of start with that evaluation. Is this something that is that you put a, you put a lot of volume a large of what you perceive to be a lot of cells into the oak barrel and then you don't get a lot of acidity from or is it boy you barely put anything into this and you got a lot of acidity from the latter is where we're coming from on the rare barrel side we rinse out and then we get a nice lightly tart again to low medium uh, acidity from no inoculation just cold water rinse so if you're trying to keep the culture that's what i would do i put cold water in there if you want to get as much of the fruit out as possible, good. There's also probably going to be some fruit left in there if you're not ripping it out of there with, like, these high-pressure pumps. Because we even struggle with that with um, our previous pump setup, which is just through our regular, regular brewery pumps and a kind of spray ball attachment kind of deal. You could look in there, still see some fruit from time to time. We used to put spices in oak barrels. Definitely get cinnamon sticks and stuff like that that would not come out of the oak barrel, or you thought, or vanilla beans. I'm talking about homes at home. <laughs> you know, vanilla beans are hard to see in an oak yeah. barrel when you know they're. You, you just think you got all of them out, and then you refill it, and it's like, oh, this next one. <laughs> this definitely seems like this was a homes at home barrel. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, 
whether you get everything out or not, there's still going to be that essence. It's going to be seeped into the oak. But that's that's where you want your cultures to say. So I'd say cold water rinse, and uh, depending on your culture, that will determine how thoroughly you are going to go through that rinse. So light rinse if your culture is a little less strong, thorough, more thorough rinse if it's strong and gets things out a little bit faster. Anything to add from... Uh, <laughs> from never the, using the, a the, the, Yeah. No. Or just, just in theory? You guys have listened to a bunch of episodes of Sour Hour. Did I miss anything? Well, I, I think it depends on what their goal is as well, right? If it is to... Obviously, they wouldn't be asking the question if they didn't want to maintain the culture in the barrel. Something special about it would be my my assumption. Yeah, sure. They want, they want to carry that forward. Right. And, I mean, that's a question for... I mean, if you take some of the culture out, you don't kill it, you know, with a th- thorough rinse. It doesn't necessarily mean that's not going to exhibit itself. You know, maybe, maybe it'd be exhibit itself a little bit less than it would if you removed a lot of the material. But I think for the most part, it really depends on what your goal is. And if you really want something to, if you want to kind of clone that barrel, you know, per se, and tr- get the same outcome out of the barrel, then you should probably leave more in. And if you are okay with, Having it be, you know, let's get the essence of it, then, and you're concerned about leaving more fruit material in there, then. That can also be tough. The, I hope clone is not your goal, and I hope it's more like, I like this culture, and I know this next beer is going to be different. I just want to keep this culture going, and it'll be my house thing. Your comments spurred one thought in my mind, which was, and this is something I'll like to do from time to time, which is just, you know, you presumably made a beer in there, it was really good. Use the beer. Beer is an inoculant. So, you know, we look at our cultures and, oh, do you have any, like, mixed bacteria cultures you use at the rare barrel? Yeah, we got a 1,000. They're right over there. They're stored in oak barrels. Yeah. Don't have to be in flasks. Don't have to be in, you know, carboys. Your beer is an inoculant. And to be honest, the things that survive, it's not going to be the exact same mix or go through the same stuff. But also the yeast and bacteria that survive all that are prone to survive and very acidic over long periods of time. It's going to morph, but hey, incorporate that. That could be a cool part sure. of your house culture. So it's an interesting topic. But uh, Justin, do you have anything to add to that? I mean, you're a master of sour beer at batch three, <laughs> so I'll, I'll listen to you, whatever you have to say. No, everything you said sounds great. That's the See, right answer. All right. See, it's a smart guy. He knows about sour beer. He just, whatever Jay says. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll uh, open Justin's last beer, which is almost certainly the greatest beer of all time. <laughs> After a quick break, we'll be right back on the Sour Hour. Hi, this is Ryan Whedon, the host of a new podcast called Branding Brews. Branding Brews is a show focused on marketing, branding, and design for the beer industry. I have spent over 14 years as a professional designer. As a host, I bring my knowledge to the show to interview other great beer professionals. Whether you're thinking about starting a brewery, already own a brewery, want to learn more about marketing beer, or you're a seasoned veteran, this show is for you. This show will cover topics such as rebranding a brewery, package and label design, crowdfunding, design, social media, plus much more related to promoting and creating a great beer brand. Make sure to check out the show along with useful show notes at brandingbrews.com. You can also subscribe to the Branding Brews podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Again, check us out at brandingbrews.com.
Not as big a fan of this song. No? No. It's a very different. It's like it's a... Just meh. Is this RJD2? It is indeed. Nice. I like RJD2. Good call. Yeah. You don't like this one, though? It sounds like he's I resting just, on his laurels from this I, one. It, it, it's like good background music, which is, I guess, what it is, but it's like, I don't know. You, you, you're a little flashier on the on the tunes. Like, the Beck was more in your face. Yeah. That song is so good. It's hard to um, measure some, up. Some, some, some jams that are, like, more in your face, but how, like, low-key they are. That This one's, like, right in the middle in a bad spot. It's in purgatory for me. Interesting. Okay. Let's, let's cut it. I'm not married to it. Well, we'll cut it. Here, you know what? I'm going to delete it uh, right now. Where was that? Rejoin. Get it. And delete. Do you now want to think, remove this file? Yes. I was right. thinking we could do, incorporate some more, mu- well, welcome back to the Sarah by the way. Uh, <laughs> incorporate some more music stuff. Like, I know you're, I mean, <laughs> this last song, not... Uh, included uh, killing it on the music stuff. I know you enjoy it, but also we get like quite a few emails from the listeners. Yeah. Like, hey, I love this song. Like, and it's always a good part. Like, we should maybe do like a. I don't know if we can do once every. Show. I mean, we'll see how many response we get. But like, maybe the listeners can start sending in some songs that they think are in our genre. Mm, good call. You still curate it. Yeah, you pick the one you like best. You bring us out from a break, and uh, you say. You know, we usually talk about the new music, and you say this one's from uh, this listener. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, if you have uh, songs you think we'd like, send them in, and you maybe we'll... I- I've kind of gotten away from playing them during the breaks. Um, I tend to just do, yeah, like, coming one back, spot. coming back from a break. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's a great call. Send stuff in if you think we'd like it. And transitions right into our thinking of sponsors, like, I dip. You dip? I'm not getting it, am I? <laughs> no, no. That, also, that write in, in on, your, on your opinion on I dip, you dip gate. <laughs> team J, yeah. Team Scott. Totally. Jay wants I'm, it. Scott says it's I'm back for that, uh, for that music. But uh, there's no doubt about one thing. The iDip is a commercial or home use. I mix those up. Wow. Water testing kit, which incorporates a revolutionary... Photometer. Photometer. Both correct. Which is the first <laughs> and only on the, mar- on the market with its own app. The iDip can f- perform over 40 different water quality tests. For things like chloride, calcium hardness, pH, sulfate, and much more. Photometer. Damn, we did that before, didn't we? Photometer. Yeah, the computer's always right. Not always. More on that later. (laughs) Podcast (laughs) listeners should enter code TBN10 at checkout and save $10 on either the standard or advanced smart smart brew testing kit. I'm having trouble right now. Order now and make this futuristic technology part of your brewing process. Visit www.smartbrewkit.com. Still, I'm just, we got to eliminate the WWWs. I, I know I say it all the time. I just, why? Why? Quick, will you please cross it out in your notes, please? Right now. But it makes it blue when I do that. <laughs> How are they going to know where to go if we don't have it? HTTP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's do this last beer of uh, Justin's. Yeah, do I have this yet? Um, yeah, Justin, tell us about the uh, final one we're about to drink. Oh, you might not even know. It's the, uh, this is, the Blood uh, Orange. Yeah, the Blood Orange. Ain't, okay. Ain't ancient Future? Yeah, there you go. Very artistic. All right, so this was actually the very first sour beer I brewed. Oh. Hey. But uh, it came out pretty good. I think it's gotten a little more tart since I initially bottled it, and it's a little more sour then I would have liked it to finish. But anyhow, uh, it was, again, it was the first time, so I did DME. So I did two and a half pounds of light DME, 
and or two and a quarter pounds, sorry, and then two quarter pounds of Bavarian wheat DME and three ounce of maltodextrin and about 10 IBUs of SOTS and I fermented initially with the Y-East Forbidden Fruit. And then what I did, what I was talking about, like with the other ones, I had the like number two and number three that I added in for souring. Uh, I started before I brewed this beer, like collecting groups of dregs. So in the first one I had, uh, looks like a Jerry Fontaine in beer, a couple Jolly Pumpkin beers, White Birch, uh, the second uh, group was, let's see, some Sweetwater, Sours, uh, Trinity, Prairie Artisan Ales, and then the third one was just a uh, probiotic blend. What year was the Mississippi mud from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a laugh. Good. <laughs> That's, I, I, I respect you taking all the notes on the dregs. I think, you know, most people, it's like, yeah. you know, just the all the kids in the pool kind of thing. But you're really tracking this. That's cool. Sorry, keep going. I was just uh, thinking about how no, no, that's, I, that's impressive I, how I close you're tracking. The bottles because I really appreciate that. It's something that's helped me a lot that I picked up on from listening to the show is take good notes. It really helps you long term. So anyhow, um, I brewed, that was a three-gallon, three-and-a-half-gallon batch about, and so I split it into three different one-gallon carboys, and then I figured I'd see if any of them turned out or blend them or whatever when I got done. So they were in the carboys for a couple of feet. Uh, I don't have. Let's see. I brewed it March, and then not March of this year. This is March of last year. Yeah, and then in August. I blend them back together. I end up using uh, about one a gallon of each of the first two, and then a half a gallon of the last one, which was the probiotic blend. And I probably should have used less because it got more sour as time went on. But anyhow, so I blend those back together and put it on uh, three pounds of the Vintner's Harvest Blood Orange Puree and let it sit for... A uh, couple months until like it was uh, pretty consistent with the gravity readings. Then I bottled it. So, do you think that this is is it too tart for your taste? Do you wish it were less acidic? Yeah, because I don't think you get much out of it than just kind of. I mean, there's a. I kind of like the bread character it has, but I think it's mostly sour, and I like it have a little more character. So, I mean, the wrong guy to talk about this but this <laughs> is right up my enough. alley yeah <laughs> no uh no i think it's firm in its acidity but i really like it this is kind of i do too right around a sweet spot for me i mean it's like if i could say there's maybe four categories of uh, acidity levels that i like you know very light kind of low medium medium and medium plus. I know that is not the great. That, that's just what I use when I write notes. Fast food restaurant. Uh, we no got high. medium, large, extra it's, large, it's, and super size. It's just when I, oh, what I write. If anything's above that, it's like, you know, they don't scale appropriately. But, um, you know, this is right in my medium arena, so I like it a lot. It just depends. It's like, do you want a more drinkable beer? Okay, then it could be like, could be less. But if it's something you want to share, like like we're sharing it right now, oh, it's... It's great. Like, you know, it's 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 right on. This beer is unique for me 
because it reminds me a lot of a lot of beers that we make at the Rare Barrel, which have this really unique combination of two things, two descriptors that I actually have never gotten in beers before and don't really get too often since, but have gotten in some homebrewers beers, which is a the Brett character maybe you get. It's, it's light to me, very light, but this cedar aromatic. Not strong, just very light cedar um, cigar box kind of thing without the tobacco component. And then in the flavor, Pez, because it's like citric, lemony, but there's a mouthfeel component to it, which I just cannot find out what this is. But, you know, I guess that's probably from maybe some of your drinks. I think it's yeast culture driven. Hmm. That's that's what I get it from. I don't get it from ingredients at the Rare Barrel. don't feel like I get it from malt. I feel like it's from some interaction between the mixed culture and it is so, like we were talking about THP earlier, right? I think that's really unique because of the timing of the presentation of that off flavor. This Pez character, I don't know what to call this, but I think what's unique about this characteristic is I'm pretty sure it comes from yeast or yeast and bacteria. And it not only presents with this like lemony or citric kind of thing, but it presents with a mouthfeel of right. chalk. Yeah. Yeah. So now you, you tell me if you agree with this, but mm-hmm. because I, I'm picking up on, I think, the exact same thing you're talking about. What my mind assigned to it was goose. It's like a goose. Oh, yeah. No, I get, yeah. I get, I get the Pez for, thing from goose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some of these draggy type things, the mech, that, that's where it comes from. That's my, my leading theory. Justin, was that intentional? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I wish I, I could say it was, but it, it just came out that way. Do you sense that? Do you think this beer has a little different mouthfeel than your the other beers? Yeah, I do get that. I don't know. This was the only one where I had, like, because I did have the lacto that was from the uh, probiotic type stuff that was more of a clean or thing that I started with or not non-saccharomyces clean strain or no I take it back the the one with the probiotic it wasn't just probiotic it was that and it was um, lacto C I think from uh, white labs but my other beers I've made I haven't blended like a a lab cultured uh, bacteria with dregs and other stuff so I don't know I have no idea how it happened that way. <laughs> Any other tasting notes on this? Yeah, I think you guys are right on on the flavor. For for me, the aroma on this is really interesting, actually. And I think I got this. I get this in a lot of beers that have Britannomyces. Is and in the best way possible to me, it's not off putting at all. But I definitely get kind of a. Uh, I would describe it as a wet dog type aroma. Mm-hmm. And this one has that, and it's it's not overpowering. I enjoy it. And, it, and it has a little bit of a dank aroma as well. It's almost like a wet dog rolled in, you know, marijuana plant came to your front door, and that's a little bit what it smells like. I know it's a little pushing it, but for me, I get kind of this this kind of dank wet dog aroma that is pleasant and interesting and not off putting. It's definitely balanced with the fruit side of it, but I, I definitely get that and it's i mean i could sit here and smell this all day to me it's 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 really interesting to to smell that's great i think you're you're pulling a lot out of the aroma i think it's none of it presents like in a powerful way i would say it's very subtle in the aromatic plus good on you for uh you know being able to pull that out and i I agree it's like 
I can get so much different stuff in here. Stone fruit, citrus fruits, almost that like kind of almost indescribable like Sauvignon Blanc kind of thing or like mm-hmm. the New Zealand Southern Hemisphere hop. Like just that, I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon, citric, orange, if you will. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. This guy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great oh, things going on, on here yeah. for sure. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, Justin, is that, you know, you're you're doing a lot of things I love, which is, number one, listening to this hour. But number two, <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned using the dregs, and it's something uh, you kind of, you know, took and ran with uh, from us. But also you mentioned a few times this whole splitting into one-gallon carboys, which I have been, like, just the biggest proponent of. But a lot of it, I like that in theory, but there's some practical challenges with that. You seemingly have executed extremely well on that. Do you have any tips for people who may, you know, you said, okay, and also you're using, I should say, uh, sounds like a lot of extract, but some, I think maybe you mentioned the one was uh, all grain. But anyway, you, you've been doing a lot of these things we've been talking about. What's your advice for people listening who want to make a three-gallon batch, a five-gallon batch, a six-gallon batch, and split it into one-gallon carboys? Have you felt like you've done some preparation to achieve the success or what, what, what's your general take? It just makes it easier to, or it gives you more options when you're, when the beer is actually done to figure out if you want to, you know, blend stuff back together. If you want to try to see where some stuff goes, because I mean, if you have a really uh, one gallon and it's really good, I mean, you can brew another four gallons or whatever wort and, put that in the war use as a starter so i think you know the opposite of that is if you have five gallons of sour beer and it goes south then you got five gallons of beer you gotta you know dump down the drain and just doing small scale makes it a little easier it just takes up more space like i've been buying carboys and stuff off of craigslist here and there like around here every once in a while there'll be somebody has like four or five of them and they'll sell them for five or ten bucks or something like that. So it just, you know, it's flexibility. But yeah, I definitely picked that up from listening to the Sour Hour and a couple other podcasts and stuff that, you know, just start on a small scale. See if, I think, uh, Jay, you said it. See if you can make one gallon of good sour beer before you try to make five gallons and it doesn't turn out so well. You're ready. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready for five if you want it, but I feel like you you kind of have the passion for for making uh, you know the base and then splitting it up, and it's really coming out well. Justin, I just got to thank you again for sending us these beers. It's been great talking to you too. We'll we'll try and schedule the Justin and Stefan podcast soon enough. <laughs> yeah. But uh, appreciate you, appreciate your time, and and you listening, and it's just especially rewarding to uh, to hear you say that you know uh, you've been listening and. You know, we've been a, a small part of uh, what you've been doing, and you're accomplishing really good stuff. So we we thank you, and uh, hopefully we can get you back soon when you got some more uh, beers in the cellar. All right. Well, again, thank you guys for all you've done, and um, when I have something else good that's ready, I'll send a bottle or two out to you. Kick ass. Right. Are you actually bad at math, by the way? <laughs> uh, I'm a mechanical engineer, so. I don't know. <laughs> so I'll ask again: Are you are you actually bad at math? And what bridges have you taken? <laughs> Thanks, Chelsea. Yeah, that's more structural. Where are you in uh, Ohio, by the way? You're in Ohio, Columbus, right? The capital city. 
Oh, man. A lot of capital talk today. Capital talk. All right. Go Buckeyes, and we'll talk to you next time. (laughs) Thanks, Justin. All right. Thanks a lot. See you later, dude. All right. Great show. Lots of good beers. So, okay. Now, Lane, you've been here a couple of times now. Yep. So you can attack. You're not me. You're not Scott. And you've tasted these beers. We're not lying. It's no, like, no, this is not I, yeah, us, yeah, yeah. This, this yeah. isn't floating boats. And what I appreciate is that I think homebrewers take. I mean, the nature of homebrewing is to experiment and you know take some more risks. And especially, I don't necessarily think that uh, a lot of sour beer is you know commercial side. They're playing it safe, but I think you know you have to make a decision about what you're doing and the financials behind it. I think on homebrewing, people, you know. Mix, you know, seventy percent malt, you know, twenty percent honey, ten, per, mm-hmm. you know, ten percent apple, and see how it goes. And it comes out to be something really complex and interesting that you might not see uh, out of larger commercial breweries. So, uh, what I appreciate is seeing on the homebrew side, and, and it's executed great, right? It's not just interesting for interesting sake; it actually delivers. So, yeah, uh, it, it, it's fun for me to come and taste homebrew sour beer because. You don't really get to taste it that often. And, yeah, all these beers have been been really good. Yeah, that's awesome. And then thank you guys all so much for sending beers in. Also, uh, I mentioned on the last show for rescheduling on short notice. I uh, really appreciate it, Lane. We especially appreciate you coming in and not only bringing your beers, which are, you know, great again, and we'll have to have you back, at, you know, in a, in a year from now to chase the, <laughs> sure. the fruition of yeah. that, uh, the sample you brought in, Definitely. but also, you know, for you to be in here and, uh, you know, help us through the show and talking about talking questions and tasting these beers yeah, and providing pleasure. all Thank your, you. uh, your uh, perspective there. Thanks. Um, since this is technically a Q and A show, um, <laughs> you you assigned that title to it. I, I was saying listener beer show. Okay, well, as long as we're placing blame on people, you were the Chimney Creek, one hundred percent. You put that half it. and half on us in the last episode, Did and I was I like, tried to blame you a little bit. No, because I asked you, I was like, how do you pronounce this? And you're like, Nishimini. I got fairly this. certain. Yeah, with your you know finger up in the air. Yeah. Uh, I'm fairly certain it's Nishimini. Yeah, Nishimini. And I was like, like oh, okay. Nishimini. I always sound like such an asshole when my own stick <laughs> is delivered back to me. Like, here's what you said. I'm like, I said that? That was verbatim. Yeah. And that was a perfect uh, impression. Yes, it was. Yeah. You nailed it. I'm, like, so I'm looking in a mirror, basically. Do I have money from playing poker yet? <laughs> uh, all right, let's do one question. Uh, actually, there's two here. There's one for me and one for you, Jay. This is from Gene. Uh, Gene. Oh, hey, what's up, Gene from Pittsburgh? Gene has sent in beers for shows. and been. No, a- this is the last Pennsylvania show of the year. I know. Just, God. Way. Congratulations on the Pittsburgh Gene. The the, the, Pits, the Penguins. Man, I'm drunk. I just now realized I'm drunk from all this listener beer. Man. The Penguins did Man. win again, yeah. unfortunately. Congrats to the Penguins. Great season for the Nashville Predators. Go Preds. Yes. Yes. Great fight by the Preds. I basically live in Nashville now, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's my team. Are they, they have a big fan base out there, don't oh, they? It was huge when I was there. Yeah. yeah. It was absolutely enormous. Great fan base. and. Titans are going to be good next year, too, so uh, go Nashville. Go Nashville. Uh, All right, Gene, thanks for the long-time love and support, dude. He wrote in this question. He says, uh, hey, Scott, as I sit here sipping a Hill Farmstead Blaugus collab. Humble brag. 
What is that? Blougies. Blougies Collaboration Farmhouse. Yeah, that's definitely humble brag. He says, a uh, question for the Sour Hour popped into my mind. He said, for hopping, this is for Jay. Uh, Jay keeps talking about how uh, they are playing with hopping rates. He said, I haven't heard him talk about IBUs versus what else we get out of hop oils. Uh, are we worried about isomerized alpha acids inhibiting bacteria, or is it the hop oils, or both? Based on my reading, it always seemed like the former, but I don't know anymore. I can't remember what the former is in that sentence, but uh, basically I'll just... Hop, IBUs versus the oils. So IBUs is the former. So um, we're talking about IBUs, and we're talking about the isomerized alpha acids inhibiting bacteria, but as a positive thing. So you know, I've referenced before the strength of our bacterial cultures. We're looking for more tools to beat them back down, basically. But we like their character. It's just they're too strong so how do you do that provide them less sugar and give them things they don't like but they can still overcome so higher ibu rates and i realize uh when we started the podcast when i was doing research into kind of everyone's methods and or reading uh, tons meyer's book and stuff like that seemed to be a big thing of um uh, what lactose have what uh, hop tolerances and stuff like that. I mean, honestly, after a while, I don't know that many people who, unless you're just doing all kettle sours, um, who only have lacto or only have one strain of lacto and don't have PDO, your bacterial strain is going to overcome pretty much. I mean, I haven't gone past like 30 or 35 IBUs or something like that, but it's going to become sour if you put bacteria in there. So um, we are messing around with mostly in the 15 to 25 IBU range um, in our latest batches. When, if you're listening to the show, like the the reviewer who did not shout out the session in the, the review at the start of the show, mm-hmm. um, if you listen to one of the first episodes, you know, we're talking about a low, real low hopping rate, one IBU, something like that, and uh, putting bacteria in at the very beginning and seeing it ramp up. And I, I, I constantly feel this way. I almost wish we could go back and, I don't know if this is possible, like put a like episode zero show in the queue <laughs> like, and just always update it. Like, here's a few like lessons learned and here's the journey you're going to go on. You'll discover it for yourself. But it's, it's, it's one of the struggles of the podcast as a yeah. medium and you don't, you don't really get to go back. So, so some of the distinguishing characteristics of the first show is this model of i was worried that the bacteria wouldn't be able to sour the beer and then you age the beer too long and then you start to create um acetic acid through the brett which turns into ethyl acetate and that was like at the time one of the main off flavors i found in a lot of sour beers but now i don't think that's as much the case because people know that acidity doesn't need years to develop the cleaning up of off flavors needs years so you get a strong bacterial culture you can sour it fast and that's not as much of an issue now so when it comes to hops that's what we're talking about the oils that's not really a factor as much i mean we do make like dry hop sour beers and stuff like that that's on a small scale but we're talking about like all of our beers across the board. We're talking about increasing the hopping rates, we're increasing the bitterness units. We're not looking for aromatics or any really any flavor contribution at all. And sometimes we get a sense of bitterness, but really it's like 
it's not that different. Our beers don't taste more bitter now than they used to. It's really just about controlling the bacteria. Uh, you have anything on that, Lane? Any no, comments? No. Good, good answer. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. Whatever Jay said. Uh, and then lastly, Gene said, a uh, question for me, uh, pipe smoking. He said, I'm an affectionado as well. My grandfather oh, popped off a right. pipe all his life. We would have to clean the inside of his car windows a couple times a year. The ilk was so thick. It was like looking through a layer of shellac. <laughs> he said, and it was about that easy to clean as well. Anyway, let me know if there are any flavors you like, especially I always felt the sweet ones were a bit harsher. Flavors. Well, I'm just going to read um, right off the label of the uh, canister. My girlfriend just sent me a picture of it. It is, uh, admittedly, Gene, I'm an, uh, still uh, fairly new to this world. I've only been smoking a pipe for about a year, so uh, maybe I'm not even the wiser. But I've been smoking the uh, Davidoff Flake Medallions, it's a flake cut of the finest Virginia tobaccos with a core of black Cavendish. Showing sure. Jay my phone right Wait, now. Cavendish? It, but it's just tobacco flavored. Yeah, it's, it's not like flavored. It's not like flavored. No, it is not. Oh, okay. No, it's not like you would smoke through a hookah and it's strawberry. No, it's none of that. It's just pipe tobacco. So as far as I know, Gene, it's, it's not a. It's not flavored. It's probably. But maybe, he, he, maybe he's talking about like a varietal or some, or some. Uh, uh, don't don't they add sugar to pipe tobacco? Do they? I think so. I, like I said, I'm I'm an amateur. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> That's sugar. One day, I think so. No. Well, there you go. That's one day, it's so good. One day Lane will teach, about, teach us about pipe tobacco and yeah, wine, no and, and we'll know everything. <laughs> is it sticky? No. But it's just loose tobacco, right? Just like yeah. loose. Yes. Like uh, American Spirit or something like that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. All right. So thank you for the question, Gene. <laughs> we can't go out on that one. Sorry, I don't have a very good No, you want a better one? Yeah. Uh, well, no, that was a fine question. I just don't want to end on tobacco. Don't want to end on tobacco. <laughs> Got it. Uh, let's do... Here we go. This is from James Morgan. He says, uh, hey there, quick question. How would you, Jay, recommend stopping or slowing down a house culture changing, evolving over successive generations? How would I stop uh, it from do, evolving? How do, how do you, yeah, how do you, or, or how do you slow it down? Like if you wanted to just stay right where it's at right now. What's the thing? Uh, there's, a, there's an old movie. I think it's a comedy. How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Embrace the Bomb or something like that. It's like a, it's a comedy about like, thermonuclear warfare or something like it's like uh, 1950s propaganda it's like like, no no it's like a legit comedy it was black and white but it was like from the 70s it was uh how i learned to stop worrying and love the bomb dr strangelove dr strangelove thank you and then it's like the 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 cowboy going down uh, like riding the bomb yeah that's a long answer to say yeah just don't worry about it (laughs) really i mean i think it that's not a satisfying answer, but I think it's really overrated to say that you're worried about the ch- ever-changing balance of microorganisms. To me, a couple of things you balance. Aromatics and acidity. Tamping down the bacteria, tamps down the acidity, increases the aromatics. Doing the opposite produces the opposite, basically. So you want to keep the middle ground? Learn. Repitch. Readjust. If you feel like, oh, you know, this is not a, this is more, I think this is natural. You have a great first beer, or maybe you're on your third beer, and now you want to keep it where it is. Think to yourself, is this more or less acidity than the last beer I made? Is it more or less aromatic than the last beer I made? What did I do to prepare this culture to be here? I would say the acidity increases in general over time. So if you want to keep, and I'm just making this up as a hypothetical, if this is your third time using this culture 
then I would say your asset is increasing and you're where you want to be. You're going to have to inhibit the bacteria. I can't tell you how much without, I, I really wouldn't even know, even if it was my own culture, but I would try to increase the hopping rate of your starter, increase the hopping rate of your beer by, I mean, I'm just going to 10%, 20%, whatever it's going to be, or provide less sugar to it. Now, if it's your first time using this culture and you've already nailed it, I wouldn't increase the hops maybe even that aggressively. I would just do a second one and see if you have a symbiotic relationship because a lot of people don't have to do that much adjustment. You don't know how much adjustment you have to do until you have two, three data points anyway. So, And then the other way you can approach it, embrace it again to say, I'm going to brew a highly hopped, low sugar beer. I'm going to encourage the yeast. That's going to be one. And then I'm going to do a second one that's middle of the road. And a third one, well, I'm going to lower the hops and give it tons of sugar. So not do a Saccharomyces primary fermentation, just the culture. That you'll learn a lot right there. Where's Which beer is most like the beer I made before? And then you know what else you get? Blending components right. after yeah. that. I'm not saying those three mixed together one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one ratio is going to be the beer you made before. But you're going to learn where it falls in that spectrum, and then you meld those two processes together. That's just my advice. It might not work out that way because it's just unpredictable, but who knows? I don't know. What do you think, Lance? Yeah, what I was thinking was exactly with blending, right? So try to blend to your house flavor, you know, what you liked about your whatever iteration of your house culture that you want to maintain. You know, instead of trying to fight the evolution of that culture look at it more from a blending perspective and if you have you know strong acid beer or, you know less tart beer try to go after it from uh from blending as opposed to just trying to rein some rein something in that you don't necessarily know how to control so that's playing both sides a little bit so we kind of told you here's how you do it if you want to do it in one shot although it's not great advice because it's not that easy to do but also you know the recommending for blending components which you know i was kind of feel bad doing it's like i don't know how much beer or time space you have for this you know it's hard to know but if you can do it do that if you can't you know try the suggestions for shooting the middle there you go dr strange love there's no or fighting this is the war to stop worrying and love the bomb <laughs> can't wait for the quote there's no fighting this is the war room it's not the whole movie is it during the physical act of love. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a Kubrick film. There's a great quote in there. Uh, they showed the, the the picture of it right there. That was, um, they're all in the, uh, what they call the war room. And uh, <laughs> they're talking about like bombing people and all this stuff. And people start fighting. They're like, someone stands up. There's no fighting. This is the war room. Try B8654 Moscow. Yes, sir. You would never have found him through his office, Mr. President. Our Premier is a man of the people, but he is also a man, if you follow my meaning. <laughs> what did you say? I said Premier Kissov is a degenerate atheist. Mr. Mr. President, President, I formally request that you have his ignorance. I'm sorry, Mr. President. Mr. President. I think they're trying the number. How long is this clip? You can't fight in here. This is the war room. 
So good. Classic. There you go. Uh, and then as the last thing, real quick, uh, J- uh, Justin on Skype here uh, just sent me a picture. He said, this is some of my Mississippi mud jar <laughs> starters. So Loading. there they are. Wow. Looking very at, nice. Uh, just nice. If we had our own uh, Facebook or social media, we could post that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of uh, bottles with airlocks and mason jars everywhere and pellicles. And this is great. I wonder if this is on, in his parents' basement. Classic move. Classic. <laughs> if you've been listening to this show, I'm sure that's where they are. And He's a mechanical in, engineer. He has his own yeah. place. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's blow this popsicle stand. Let's do it. Great, great show. Good hey, it's going to work out any better. Yeah. You know, moving it up. Thank you so much to Lane and the two Justins for changing yeah, the thanks. last moment. It's been a blast and works out well for me because yeah. I had to do it. Us too. <laughs> and Scott, you're going out to Colorado. That's going to be great. New bar coming soon. Until next time, stay sour. I mostly like this beer. Uh-huh.